PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast, where board studying is a little bit more enjoyable. I am Iltafat Hussein, joined by Dr. Blake Briggs. What's up, Briggs? Cheerio. <laughs> for each 10 to 15 minute episode, we drop high yield board knowledge. We like to stay comfortable with STEMs, but stay for the content. Sign up on our website at emboardbombs.com for printed handouts. We've got more than 40 handouts. Pretty sweet. They're only a page, page and a half. Uh, they're great for on-shift review. Uh, we've got a bunch of free quizzes as well that we threw up on there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at emboardbombs. Uh, more than 1,000 followers now. Pretty sweet. And we've got an Instagram account as well. Hey, Briggs, are uh, you ready for this topic? Absolutely. 100%. Great. All right, let's start. A 27-year-old male presents to your ER via EMS for chief complaint of dyspnea and some concern for altered mental status. He arrives to Kipnik and in respiratory distress. I believe it's respiratory. Respiratory, correct. EMS states that he was found by his roommate laying in bed, breathing heavily, and there were medication bottles all over the place. Now, what's the next uh, best thing to do here? I see Dr. Briggs looking at me very quizzically. That is the stem. Yes, that's it. That's it? Yes, that's that's it. And the ne- Okay, fine. Yes, I know. You come for the stems. All right. He was wearing a UNC shirt. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just throw that on there, okay? Because we have to have quirky stems, right? <laughs> we have to throw shade on... Uh, we have to throw, on some, <laughs> throw some shade on Carolina. All right, basketball season has begun. A... And we wish our team was good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which is the following in the next best step in management? A, early intratracheal intubation reduces mortality. B, sodium bicarbonate should be aggressively given to stabilize cardiac membrane tissue. C, hemodialysis is ineffective. D, urinary pH should be titrated to greater than 7.5. Briggs, what's the correct answer? Uh, the correct answer here is going to be D. Ah, tell me more. Mm, yes. Urinary pH should be titrated to greater than 7.5. And we're obviously talking about? Salicylates. You got it. Or salicylates. Or also known as aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> really, today is going to be a bear of a problem. Oh, oh yeah, well, like I that? like that. <laughs> I didn't take that long. One of our uh, sponsors, actually, that we've <laughs> shifted in here. I wish. Anyways, let's move on. All right, moving on. Yeah, so aspirin poisoning, big deal. One of our top over-the-counter medication overdoses in, in the country. Really no good stats on the percentage of people that OD on this. Um, it's not as much as Tylenol, but it's high enough and it's high yield enough that this is certainly going to be on your boards at least one right. time in your in-service exams or when you recertify or your initial boards. What are the hallmark effects of aspirin poisoning? Well, remember that for med school, it inhibits cyclooxygenase pathway, and that's what the whole platelet thing is. That's why people are taking aspirin. Um, it decreases platelet function. 
And from that, it also increases gastric injury, ulcerative disease. That's why it's so bad for ulcers. Um, other things that it does, and this will lead into the pathology, it stimulates nausea and vomiting. It activates the respiratory center in the brainstem, which leads to hyperventilation, respiratory alkalosis. Sorry, respiratory alkalosis. Respiratory. Yes. It also interferes with metabolism, and that leads to metabolic acidosis. What is the poisoning threshold, Dr. Hussain? What are we looking for on the level yeah. when it comes back? So you're looking at greater than 40 when you should really be concerned. Uh, fatal ingestion is around 10 grams in adults. <laughs> yeah, not more. No misprint. Yeah, right. <laughs> 10 grams in adults and then 3 grams in children. But it's important to know it, some of that pathophys because that earliest sign, again, is hyperapnea. You're talking about fast and deep respirations. Um, tinnitus might be another thing uh, that's pretty transient though and um, you can develop some of that altered mental status again as from uh, cerebellar edema um, direct cell toxicity from aspirin um, seizures are something that you can see as well and I feel like I keep going on and on here because of how dangerous it is, it is, is compared to especially Tylenol, <laughs> which patients come in looking just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go into acute liver failure. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and then... Take I'll, a pick. Would you want to come in would, overt or you want right. to have it... Take your time a little bit. Smoldering a little Smolder, bit. Smolder, right. <laughs> uh, pulmonary edema, obviously, that's a lot more in older patients. You can have uh, tachyarrhythmias, uh, but again, you're not really going to be tested on that. Hypovolemia, uh, you're not going to be tested on that. Mm -hmm. Really what you need to focus on is going to be the respiratory alkalosis mm -hmm. with the metabolic acidosis. And in that order is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. And Briggs, get into some of that mechanism stuff. Yeah, and two more things that come up is tinnitus, only because it's just a classic symptom. And sure. they're going to mention as a patient saying, my ears are ringing. Right. And then the second thing, I feel like this comes up more with Narcan and heroin, but the pulmonary edema. Okay. Non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. They listed right. as causes of like, these drugs cause non-cardiogenic pulmonary enough. edema. On that list. Aspirin, yeah. heroin, and um, Narcan. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're right. So the respiratory alkalosis, sorry, respiratory alkalosis. Yes. That happens first, followed by metabolic acidosis. I only say that because they literally test people on what order this occurs. Right. Like when it happens, right. the first step is respiratory alkalosis, followed later by metabolic acidosis as the uh, salicylate basically distributed into the tissues. So the mechanism is that aspirin will go to the respiratory center and it'll cause an early fall of the PCO2 with a corresponding respiratory alkalosis and then followed by an anion gap, metabolic acidosis due to the accumulated you know, keto acids and lactic acids. So if you got a lactic acid on this person reflexively, um, like we so often do, I know. it'll be like, it'll be greater than eight if they're in the throes of an active salicylate overdose. So if there is any respiratory acidosis present early on, that means that this patient had a co-ingestion with something. Yeah. Or, or it's not aspirin, right? And, and one-third of those who do OD on aspirin oftentimes have a co-ingestion as well. Yeah, unfortunately, these are the patients that, you know, hence it being an over-counter drug, right? It's easy to get access right. to. Right. Unfortunately, these ingestions are going to be spontaneous, a lot of them. Um, and they're going to be people that just pop tons of bottles. And so they can get other For things For board too. purposes, though, we don't anticipate them asking you about no, co-ingestions. No, not at all. Absolutely not. On the boards, they're going to be very straight up with, this is the overdose hears about this overdose, this one thing. Um, so remember, just a quick, quick pathophysiology, only because this helps you understand why what we're doing for treatment. So remember that aspirin- And why we're not doing certain things. Absolutely. Such as in, uh, immediately intubation. Yeah, that'd so be that's bad. why we just need you to listen. Yeah, we're sorry ahead of time, but you have to know this. If we just listed it off, it'd be confusing. So aspirin can be a weak acid or it's uncharged. As you remember from med school, the uncharged ions is what diffuse across the membrane, right? The biggest 
the big deal here of this whole thing with aspirin overdose is we don't want it to go to the brain. We don't want it to cause any CNS changes because then patients have seizures, cerebral edema, very poor outcomes. And so the more that aspirin is uncharged, the better it goes into the central nervous system, right? So how are you going to be charging it? Yeah, the whole part of charging is we want to excrete it, right? Because charged ions can be pushed out through the kidneys and peed out, and aspirin is only excreted by the kidneys. You need to give sodium bicarbonate. So we all know that that's the answer, but a lot of people don't know why. Right. Because we give sodium bicarbonate for many different reasons. Often a lot of them are wrong. Um, right. But in this case, it's very good. Very good. <laughs> so sodium, sodium bicarbonate, um, and this is called alkalinization. Um, this reduces the diffusion of that uncharged aspirin. It makes it charge, and it forces it diuresis through the kidneys. Sorry, my watch went off. I'm supposed to take my daily uh, aspirin, aspirin right now. Dough. Yeah. Bear. Remember, a bear. Bear. Yeah. <laughs> bear has been a maker of aspirin for over right. 100 years. Right, right. So management, we need to order broad labs. You're going to get an ABG this time, not Venus, if you can, because ABG will give you a more accurate measure of kind of that AA gradient than acidosis and alkalosis that you're facing. Glucose level, of course, on any OD, CBC, CMP, Tylenol level, and then if you're worried about other meds like valproate, lithium levels, those are reasonable ones that come back at most institutions within the hour. And then, of course, uh, you know, an aspirin level may help, <laughs> along with an EKG. If they're dyspneic... That'd be bad if you yeah. mention <laughs> Everything but an aspirin level. Everything but an aspirin. So if they're dyspneic, uh, which they will be on exam, right? If they're in right. the throes of a real overdose, a chest stretch actually is helpful. Why? That'll help you see if there's signs of pulmonary edema or anything mm-hmm. else forming there. Right. And that's, that's big because that'll help impact your fluid resuscitation too Correct. for these patients. You don't want to load them with tons of uh, hypotonic fluid. So... Why do we not just tube these people and control everything? Like most ODs, we like to tube them, right? Right. Early on, control that airway. You don't want to prevent aspiration, things of that nature, right? Yeah. But in this case, this is where intubation can literally kill a patient. And this is where you'll be tested on it, you know, for the boards. Absolutely. Um, The right answer for this isn't necessarily intubation, which is, you know, you think about classic ABCs. Really reserve this for the clear cases of respiratory failure, not patients who are just tachypneic. Um, and you're not doing it because you're worried a patient might, quote, tire out. Um, remember that respiratory alkalosis traps ions in the blood, preventing movement you know, to the brain, essentially. Um, and then when you think about the brief apnea that you get from intubation and the fact that we can oftentimes match those spontaneous respiratory rates with the vent, vent asynchrony can also be an issue. So you intubate them and then you're going to have all different types of problems with the vent as well. If you have to intubate uh, for um, their you know, ventilation, it really should be setting the vent settings at high tidal volumes and a high respiratory rate. Wait, we're doing a high tidal volume? Yes, you're doing a high The most counterintuitive. Right, right. You're stretching out, right. And avoid rock, obviously. Avoid deep sedation as well. If you can't, you want, again, that patient um, at a very high respiratory rate. But again, vent asynchrony is an issue here. Um, Obviously, charcoal within the first two hours if the patient is alert and willing. Um, but oftentimes that's not the case when they present to you. And think about it too, these patients, one, you got to think about, are they really willing to take charcoal over an overdose they just right. had? Two, right. how truthful are they about the overdose? And three, yeah. um, this patient's in respiratory distress. Are you really going to pour charcoal 
down right. the, I mean, they have to be concentrating right. on breathing. Yeah, and, and the whole point of that segment that we just mentioned is to be on high alert when uh, the board question is, oh, intubate this patient, especially when you know it's aspirin. Oftentimes, they're really just trying to bait you into selecting that answer choice when that's not necessarily the right one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Let's talk more about sodium bicarbonate. We mentioned it earlier. Everybody right. knows it's the answer. Right. Everybody knows this is the antidote. People don't know why, though. And right. so in the question stem, we said that sodium bicarbonate should be aggressively given to stabilize cardiac membrane tissue. That's wrong. That's wrong. So, and it's sneaky that I did that. Aren't I sneaky? I liked it. I liked it. When I read that, I thought, oh, that was extremely sneaky. You that know, was mixing that in was dirty. factors that was dirty. of, you know, uh, calcium and yeah. other things in there. I liked it, you yeah. know, along with um, other, like, TCA overdosing. Yeah. I liked it. You just, you cr- crazy cross-overlapped and are trying to just mess people up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That really paints a nice picture of me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So sodium bicarbonate, yes, for TCA overdose and other um, sodium channel blockade agents, that's for cardiac membrane stabilization. For sure. We're not doing it for that reason here. And it's critical you know that because that's exactly what the boards are going to do. For sure. They're going to give you a mechanism of action question, and you're going to go for pattern recognition and say, oh, sodium bicarb, that's the answer. Yeah. And I think the key reason I know that is because, again, when you have like TCA overdosing, you're just trying to like close that QRS, right? In this case, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get the urine to what? Alkalinize. Right, alkalinize. And that's one of the answer choices. So that's why uh, Dr. Briggs mentions that. And that's why it's important to know those two distinctions. Yeah, so you're going to titrate the urine pH to 7.5 to 8. Um, you, you'll be testing the urine pH throughout. Obviously, a full would be good here and just maintaining right. that urine pH. You're going to try to do set, you're going to do a bolus first of the sodium bicarb and then do an infusion. Uh, and you're going to do like two times maintenance infusion rate. The alkaline urine increases aspirin excretion by guess how much? How much? Five-fold. That's pretty amazing. That's an insane number. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> so it's incredibly helpful. Aspirin levels, you should be getting them every two hours. You should be getting blood gases every hour. And then one thing that came up that I thought that was fascinating is potassium levels every hour as well. And that's because we don't have to go in detail at all. You don't have to know this more than beyond the superficial level, which is hypokalemia is a major impediment to aspirin excretion due to some tubal interactions. Nice. So just in general, you got to watch the K levels and you right. got to replete. And apparently this comes up a lot because it's mentioned a lot in the sources that I referred to. Right. So when can we stop alkalization when your aspirin levels are what? Normal would be probably a good word, right? For sure. I would like that. <laughs> when your pH is what? Probably normal. Right. And when yeah. the patient is? Um, Asymptomatic. Correct. So basically, lacking symptoms. Only when everything is fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now the biggest. Part, then you send them home. I'm yeah, just kidding. Right. Medsec. <laughs> Medsec. <laughs> Easy now, dispo. Now that's not going to be the case that you're going to be presented with oftentimes in life, and frankly, the boards. Right. Dialysis. Dialysis. Dialysis is the answer to everything. Is going to honestly be your answer, and that's what they're going to want you to shift towards. You as the ER provider, as soon as you have someone that you're concerned about, so that right after talking to EMS about this patient, you should probably go ahead and page out to nephrology and get dialysis ready. Mm -hmm. You do not want to delay dialysis on these patients. Now, for the boards, when we're going to talk about the absolute indications, you'll see how there's a very low threshold based on what. Look at the following. Creatinine. I'm looking at it. 1.5. Altered mental status. Pulmonary edema. Aspirin levels greater than 100, severe acidemia with pH less than 7.2. So as you can see, if you hit any one of those, 
you should be thinking about dialysis. There's a good chance if the patient's symptomatic, tachypneic, even you know having some alterment. I mean, they're going to be hitting this. Honestly, I'm looking at right now the three easiest things to hit: polyedema. Wow, if you just have like a generous yeah. little cephalization, <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, polyedema. Right, if the patient like can't be alert right. nor attempts four, right. done. And creatinine grade the one point five. That's pretty much every single patient that comes through the ER. Yeah, especially our ER. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's in the water recently. <laughs> I know. But yeah, th- those are easy numbers to hit. Right. Which really, as Doctor Hussain saying, really hones in the point of get your nephrologist involved early because right. then you have to get the process getting a VASCATH. And right. if you're not at a major level one trauma center, which the majority of EDs right. are not level one trauma centers, right. um, you have to call nephrology to transfer the patient. They have to get a dialysis machine, blah, 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 blah. This right. takes hours. Hours. From initiating the conversation at the fastest right. institution, right. if you went to St. Nephrology Hospital, right. they have like nephrologists <laughs> everywhere. Right. They have only a limited number of dialysis machines still. Hours, right? right? right. And putting in the VASCATH and calling the dialysis nurse. Right. I'm emphasizing this because too often we think, let's just try this one thing first and see if right. it works. Right. You need to get the ball rolling. Yeah, and another key point to mention here is you might be at a site that doesn't have dialysis yeah. available. So you as the ER provider need to be thinking five steps ahead. Yeah. So when you get a call out that, or you find out, actually you discover that this patient is a true aspirin overdose and looks like they might go south, you need to just go ahead and call a dialysis center nearby and have things queued up so you can get that patient out of your ER as soon as possible. Glomerular hospital. <laughs> it would be the most organized hospital ever. <laughs> Each floor would be named a tubule. Oh no! So the, I had there, a. There would be a loop side, right? <laughs> and then there would be yeah the loop. The loop. The loop of Henley. <laughs> Henley hallway. Oh, bad memories. <laughs> yeah, horrible memories. Hey, a uh, quick thing to mention, actually, really fast. It's not important at all. When I was in med school, first year, I had a uh, histology professor. And I remember one day he showed up a picture of the G- of the uh, glomerulus in Bowman's capsule. Yeah. He put a picture and he's like, that is the most beautiful thing I've seen. He's like, I bought this picture a few years ago and sized it up and now it's my painting in my living room. <laughs> I just, I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> you don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. You know, it's like my immunology professor who had some sort of receptor written on their license tag. I thought you were going to say they had a tattoo. <laughs> no, he was not a tattoo type of guy. Hey, let's take this out. We're done. Remember to sign up on our website, emboardbombs.com, for future episodes and content and updates. It's totally free to sign up, no cost to you. You can check out our quizzes that we have there. I want to really thank all of our followers and folks who have come to our website. Uh, we've been hitting, I think we hit like over 3,000 just this past month alone. Um, in his tourist site. So uh, again, find us on Twitter at EM Board Bombs. Visit our website and we'll be back with another Board Bomb soon. Too many Board Bombs to count. Ord- Ordinance will be ready. Too many. we got a library now. Love it. <laughs> we have an armory. Armory, yes. Armory of Board Bombs. Thanks for listening. Check that battleship uh, <laughs> picture, that, that meme you had. Go check out our Twitter for the battleship. Yeah, the USS Fantastic. Board Bomb. We just bought it. We just bought it. We threw it out alone, and the U.S. government said, sure, we'll sell it to you. Exactly. It was great. <laughs> it was great. We just have to pay cost to maintenance. You know yeah. I mean? There's a lot of rust on that ship. A lot of rust. Peace. Have a good one. <laughs>